Hello, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. And we hope this message will help you grow in your walk with Christ. And if you'd like to support this ministry, you can do so by visiting theroadfc.org and click on the giving link. I invite you to imagine with me this morning that, that we are all together ancient Israelites that have been exiled to Babylon. Now, living in a foreign land has led us to a sense of like loss of identity, a loss of security, a loss of, of comfort. Uh, every day, it's clear that Babylon is not our home. It's the home of King Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar rules over us with an iron fist. But in order to try to keep some sense of identity, God has raised up prophets in our midst. And Ezekiel is one such prophet. Now he came with us, if you'll remember, he came with us from uh, Jerusalem to Babylon during exile. And I don't have to tell you this, but, but prophets are not very popular, especially Ezekiel. Especially Ezekiel. Uh, much of the time, the prophets are, are challenging our assumptions about why we're here and why we find ourselves in exile about what has happened and why this has happened to us. And these prophets, they call us to repent. They tell us to start living in a different way. And I don't know about you, but I wish I could just come to church and hear truth platitudes about things I already agree with. But these prophets just won't be quiet. And so these prophets keep challenging us. They keep pushing us. They keep calling out things that, in my opinion, aren't really there. Um, but... They call us to repentance. And this prophet Ezekiel, you know, he takes things just a little too far. You know, I went to town the other day, and Ezekiel had made a miniature model of Jerusalem. You, had, you should have seen all the detail. It was like, uh, it was like uh, Legos, maybe. He had made this miniature version of Jerusalem, and, and all this detail, and yet this model he had made, he was in the middle of the city laying siege to the model as a word of warning about what will happen if we don't repent. I mean, this guy is nuts, right? But this morning, I went into town, and I actually saw Ezekiel again, and, and he was preaching in the city square, but this time, the message captured my attention and my imagination. He told of a vision that he had had, a, a vision of a valley that was filled with dried bones. And having experienced battle firsthand when Nebuchadnezzar attacked our city, I can tell you the scene hit a little too close to home. Except instead of bodies, there were actually bones, like time had passed, decay had set in. And just thinking about this, this vision, I was reminded of the power of death. But Ezekiel's story was that God asked him to speak a prophetic word over the valley, and that when he did, the bones started coming together. The muscle and tendons formed then to hold the bones together. The skin formed around the muscle. And like you, I was as curious as I was grossed out by this whole scene. But it was clear that there was this restoration that was happening to this valley that had once been filled with bones, so much so that they weren't 
just bones anymore. Now they were bodies, but they still had no life. It seems that things can appear alive, but actually have no life in them. Again, Ezekiel was told to speak, to prophesy, to say a prophetic word over, this time not a valley of dry bones, but this time over a valley of restored bodies that had potential for life. And so he does this. He says a prophetic word over this valley that has potential for new life, and then in a moment there's this mighty rushing wind that blew over the valley. The bones that had become bodies become animated with new life. And so what used to be a valley of nothing but bones was now a vast army. You should have heard him speak. I wish you had been there in the city with me. I mean, this guy is weird. I will give you that. And he's done a lot of strange things in his prophetic work. But this vision reminded me of the creation story. How God had formed humanity from the ground and then breathed the breath of life into us. It was almost like it was a story of creation, but in a new way, a story of new creation that there is something about this wind or this breath of God that seems to bring life. And I have to tell you that as I heard Ezekiel's vision, I was brought to tears. Because exile is so hard. Exile is so, so hard. Exile itself feels like a valley of dry bones. Because in exile, so much is lost. So much is sacrificed. Relationships are strained. Friendships are harder to keep. It's even, in the midst of exile, difficult to stay connected to God. But this vision, this vision brought me to tears because it reminded me that the power of God can reach even into decay and bring about new life, new creation. That this image reminded me not just of the power of death, but also in the power of God to reach into what has been decayed and bring about new life and vitality. Fast forward 500 years. You and I are disciples of Jesus the Messiah living in Jerusalem. Our ancestors had been returned to their homeland uh, after exile several generations ago, but now we live under Roman occupation. Things aren't too bad as long as you give Rome a nod in everything that you do. Uh, And and actually, Rome isn't against any religion in particular, uh, just as long as that religion doesn't compete with Roman culture. And in fact, Rome especially loves when you're willing to put Roman flags in your temples. But the city right now is abuzz after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, Jesus came proclaiming a way of life that was marked by love of neighbor, forgiveness, and care, and this thing called grace. 
Now, in other words, the message of Jesus right now has everything to do with how we live and how we organize our lives. It's not just about hope in the afterlife, which is why all of a sudden Rome got interested. I mean, when we were preaching just a message or the moments when we messed up and we preached just a message of the afterlife, Rome didn't seem to care at all. But the moment we talked about, what was the word? Jesus has called it the kingdom of God. That's when trouble really started with Rome. And the conflict got cranked up even further when we started proclaiming, uh, when Jesus started proclaiming the arrival of the kingdom of God, but things got really serious when you and I, Jesus followers, started saying Jesus is Lord. That was an affront to the popular confession that Caesar is Lord. And so when you and I say Jesus is Lord, by implication it means that Caesar is not. And so Roman officers began to look for followers of the way to try and snuff out the Jesus movement. I say good luck trying to snuff out a movement based on resurrection. I mean, do you remember the old stories that our grandfathers used to tell? The story of the old prophet. What was his name? Ezekiel. Those old stories about this weird guy, Ezekiel, who had this vision of bones coming to life through the breath of God. And I just have to tell you, it feels like we're living in those new days. But at the same time, our very lives are being threatened by the Romans. Jesus had told us to stay in Jerusalem and to wait. No further instruction, no no elaboration, just go to Jerusalem and wait So that's what we've been doing, staying in an upstairs room, praying, waiting for whatever will come next. And in the midst of our waiting, can I tell you that many questions have surrounded us. With Jesus now ascended, how would we carry on this message? How would we keep from falling back into the old ways of thinking and the old ways of acting? Jesus had promised a helper would come, but here we are 50 days after the resurrection and still nothing. And furthermore, in what form will this help come to us? It is about time we are in desperate need of help. And just as all those questions were kind of swirling around us, it's actually quite difficult to describe to you what happened next. There was a deafening sound of wind, flames that landed on all of our heads. Trust me, it was crazier than it sounds. But after all the craziness, we were changed. It's as though the very Spirit of God took up residence in our hearts and gave us new life. And the questions that we were asking that surrounded us about how we were going to keep this keep carrying on this message or how we're going to keep walking in the narrow way, all of a sudden those questions were answered for us that if we could learn to walk in step with this spirit that is inside of us, then I I dare to believe that we could do it. That we might just be able to walk this narrow way with the help of this spirit. I confess to you today that the Holy Spirit seems to have come to provide us with guidance, love, courage, generosity, peace, patience, goodness, and joy. It's as though our hearts used to be made of stone, but now our hearts have been made flesh. 
And I have to tell you, I firmly believe in my heart that if other followers of the way would experience what we've experienced, then they'll be sharing the good news of Jesus hundreds, maybe even thousands of years from now. Fast forward thousands of years to right now. Sitting here in this service with bits of confetti all over the place. And you thinking to yourself, I'm glad I don't have to clean this mess up. <laughs> so here we are, right here in this moment. And can I say to you that the same breath of God that turned the valley of bones into an army and the same Holy Spirit who brought new life to the disciples at Pentecost is available to you and I. Amen. That the breath of God can, in fact, revive you after the exile of COVID has left you disconnected and removed from community. That the wind of God can restore the parts of you and your life that have lost life. That in this vision of, this part of Ezekiel's vision that you may most identify with is something can appear to have life and be lifeless. And the good news of the gospel today and the good news of Pentecost is that the very same Spirit of God can breathe breath upon you and bring you life. The Holy Spirit of God can make you new. And also, can we also say with confidence, with conviction, church, that the Holy Spirit can make the church, the capital C church, radiant again. That there may be some senses in which the capital C church has lost our radiance, and what we need is a fresh wind of God, the breath of God to breathe over us that we may corporately experience new life just as each one of us is individually and personally experiencing new life in Christ after all that we have gone through and journeyed through over the last few months. It somehow feels appropriate that we've eased COVID guidelines on the birthday of the church. That in some ways, this might set the, set the path for a new way forward. Taking lessons that we've learned from the last 14 months in, in good and appropriate ways, applying them to our lives as we work more toward what church is supposed to be. Thank you for hanging in because it has been hard. And I pray the Holy Spirit of God may breathe a fresh breath on us today and moving forward. The invitation this morning is to see the movement of God, the activity of the Spirit, through time and through history, beginning even before Ezekiel's vision, but focusing in on Ezekiel's vision and then the day of Pentecost, and then right now, 
and recognizing that the invitation is to invite and to pray that the wind of God would enter into your life for the work of healing and restoration. That we might, each and every one of us, be new creations. I know I need it. I'd be willing to bet that you do too. And so my prayer is simply that we would each have the courage to invite the Holy Spirit into our lives, into our hearts, for a new and fresh work on this Pentecost Sunday. Would you join me in praying? Gracious God, who through your faithfulness has revealed yourself to us through generations, who through your faithfulness has sustained your community, called the church now for thousands of years, and will continue to sustain the church for a thousand more years. And even after that, for all, ever and ever, God, you have gathered a people unto yourself. But we pray that each and every one of us that find ourselves part of this thing called the church would experience a personal infilling of the Holy Spirit today. And that together, as we become new creations, then that our corporate life together, this thing called the church, would become radiant once again. And so, Lord, help us, guide us, lead us, empower us when necessary. Lord, challenge us through the work of prophets and preachers who are bold enough to speak truth. So, Lord, we invite you in to our lives and into our church and pray for newness of life. And we thank you, God, for your faithfulness in helping us navigate all that we've navigated over the last few months. And no doubt we'll continue to navigate in different ways, maybe less significant ways, but still on the radar, something to be considered, something to navigate. Lord, we pray for your wisdom and for your newness of life. We give you thanks and we give you praise. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.